Thank you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 this morning, and also Genesis chapter 3. Those are our key passages. Ecclesiastes 2. <clears throat> I'm guessing that um, <laughs> some of you may be a little sleepy. Morning chapels are kind of rough sometimes, right? You traveled all day yesterday, and then I'm guessing some of you didn't go to sleep right when the lights went out. And because of that, others around you didn't either. So here's my, here, I'll do my part, you do your part. Deal? We'll do the best that we can as we get through it. Um, but I really, like, this is an important uh, topic in the chapter um, and what God wants to teach us. And I know some of it will be kind of hard-hitting, um, but I made a commitment to Jesus a long time ago. I'll teach your truth as lovingly as I can, but I want to make sure that I love your people enough that I'll tell them what your word says and not sugarcoat it, but graciously as much as possible. So we're going to dive into a topic that doesn't seem that fun, but it actually makes the gospel that much more impressive and beautiful when we grasp it. And so can we pray together? We're going to jump in. Let's pray. Father, we pause before we speak to you, for you are God, you are holy. Instead of me jumping straight into what I think you should do, God, we want to submit to what you have already in mind, what you have planned. Holy Spirit, would you help us to be teachable and humble to receive? Spirit of God, would you work on the hearts of those who are here that have not surrendered to Jesus? Would you do your work in convicting of sin? Father, would you draw them to your son? Father, for those of us who love you, would you remind us today? Would you remind us what you did and why you did it? As you confront us and remind us of our sinfulness. And we trust you in all of this. God, keep my opinion and my agenda to myself. May it only be about your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says... Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting verse 1. He says this, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. Friends, I looked up that word pleasure in the Hebrew. It, it, it means pleasure, but it's the state of happiness. And, and the focus is on entertainment or experiencing something physically, like my whole being experiencing that thing. But that word entertainment stood out. Because isn't that kind of what our whole culture is now? It is, there is so much entertainment. It used to just be on TV, you could watch actors or they could be doing their things and you're entertained or you go to a concert and you're entertained, but now there's this whole thing where you can create your own channel and everyone can watch you and it's constantly, and, and videos are posted. It's like this constant sensory thing that's happening to us. And I'm convinced that Solomon, and that if he was alive today, he would be engaging in exactly the same thing. But even more so because he could buy whatever he wanted. He could do whatever he wanted. Nothing was held back from him by himself. He said, I'm going to just do anything that I feel like doing. Guys, do you understand how dangerous it is to actually do that? I'm going to do anything and everything that I feel. Every thought that comes to my mind, I'm going to say it or do it. Every feeling that comes into my person, I'm going to do it. 
Guys, the only thing that comes out of that type of lifestyle is what? Chaos. Anarchy. Because what if I want to, what if I just have this thought, it's like, hey, I want, like if I walk up, we're just chatting, I see your phone and it's newer than mine, it's like, I want that. And I take it, you can sit there and say, yeah, you can't do that. But here's the thing, if what the world teaches us with regards to truth is true, now they say, hey, truth is relative. It's kind of like your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. It's like, you live your truth, I'll live my truth. The danger with that is this. If I live my truth and I take it, that means you can't take it back because it's my truth. And so a person says, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Friends, what's the problem with that statement? Absolute truth means there's definite right or wrong. If a person says, there's no such thing as absolute truth, what's the problem with that statement? The problem with that statement is that is an absolute truth statement. So from the very beginning, there is no such thing as you're making an absolute truth statement. So for those who say, you live your truth, I live, I live my truth, you've just made an absolute truth statement stating that that's how the world is supposed to live. And if we don't live according to how it is that you said this is truth, then you get offended. But you can't get offended if it's all relative. And isn't it amazing how we just want to continue to do the things that we feel, the things that are pleasurable? When the things might not actually be healthy or right. There is a right, there is a wrong, and he sits and goes, I'm going to take my life and do everything that I want to to test, my, like, test this whole thing about life with regards to pleasure. He goes on and says this. He says, but behold, this was all vanity, a waste, meaningless. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks, and I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers with both men and women and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, here it is again, all was, what is it? Vanity. A striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. He experienced everything he wanted to experience, friends. Everything. And when he's done, he says, it's all pointless still. Friends, when I was reading this, I was studying through it going, okay, so God, what is it you want to share and what do you want to show? Side note, friends, for those of you that said, go, I would, question, a show of hands. How many of, you would, how many of you would do what God tells you to do if he would just tell you? Wouldn't it be great if he texted you or called you? Like, put your hands up. Like, I would do it. Just, God, just tell me what you would want me to do. Or how many of you, like, you just wish, like, God, would you just speak? Like, would you just, like, you did it in the Old Testament. I mean, not only that, like, burning bush, and there's fire by day, God and the Israelites, and there's cloud by night. It's like, oh, no, fire at night, cloud by day. All this stuff, you, you seem to do that. So why do you seem so silent? 
This is a, such a side note. Followers of Jesus, if you want to know the will of God, you've got to get your face back in the word of God. You want to hear God speak? Every time you open the book, he's speaking. This is how he does it. You know why this is so important? Do you know why the Bible is so important? It is God's guardrails for our lives. So that we don't, we don't just follow any charismatic leader who has this great personality. They can say whatever they want, lead people astray. God gives us truth. He says, I'm going to give you my word. So you get it, so you understand it. Guys, if you're not in the word of God, I don't know how you're deciphering, deciphering the will of God. And somebody say, oh, Brian, I don't like to read. I get it, and some don't like to read it for, they don't like to read for enjoyment. I guess like that's not your thing. But what if God's sitting there going, but if you did, if you did read, even if you don't like it, what if he promised, I'll meet you, I'll speak to you, I'll guide you, I'll comfort you, I'll encourage you, I'll convict you, I'll speak to you, we'll commune together. And yet some of you would sit there and go, not worth it. Why? Because we're too busy working out one of our thumbs. This is too important. Think about it. the God of the universe spent more time writing the scriptures than in creating the universe. And he says, this is how I want to speak to you. Don't you think that at some point you kind of go, maybe it's not all about me. Maybe it's not all about God always coming to me, but maybe I should go to him also. And if I don't like to read, maybe I should start just trying it out and trust the Lord that he'll actually increase my desire to spend time with him in it. Say, Brian, Brian I just won't read. But you'll read a menu. What? And guys, I get it. There are some books in here that are hard, right? You ever gone home from camp going, this is it. My life's been changed. And I'm going to read this book. When I get home, I'm going to read it all tomorrow. <laughs> cover to cover. Just going to sit in there and go for it. And you get to Genesis, it's like, okay, there's some cool stories. It's like, there's some soap opera stuff going on. It's like, this is okay. Then you get to Exodus, same kind of thing. Then you get to the middle of Exodus, you're like, what the... What happened here? A bunch of rules and this and that. Then you get to Leviticus. You're going, what the heck? Is this God's cure of insomnia? I don't understand this part. <laughs> then you get to numbers and this, how many people are in this tribe. And this many people are like, oh, wow, I don't know, like math. <laughs> and then you do what with it? It doesn't make sense. Friends, I want to encourage you when it doesn't make sense, stay with it. It may not make sense now, but trust that God might actually show you more as you continue to spend more time with him. Think about it. As you've been growing up, you learn certain things at certain stages, and when you go to school, it's certain things at certain stages, right? You don't take a kindergarten and come over here, hey, college calculus, let's go. They're listening, they're going, <laughs> and they got their crayon, they're ready to go, and they go through the whole thing, it's like, I get it. Seven. That's it. That's the answer. And then they just go, I want to eat paste. It's like it's so different. Why do we think that God's just going to throw all this stuff at us all at once? Guys, he's limitless. And if you get to parts of the scripture going, God, I don't get this or I don't understand you. Maybe God's sitting there going, you're on the right track because God should not make, make, shouldn't make sense to us. If God is limitless and we're limited then why would I automatically think that God must make sense to me? Am I not then the standard and God is now subservient to me? 
The fact that God doesn't make sense to me doesn't cause me frustration. It causes me to worship. And I'm so thankful that he actually says, come to me. Come here. And I'll teach you along the way. As I spent time looking at this, here's the part that stood out to me the most about these phrases. 19 times from chapter 1, verse 12 through chapter 2, verse 11, the word my or mine was repeated. Friends, whenever you jump into reading the Bible, when the word's repeated or a phrase is repeated, especially close together, pay attention. That's one of the main things that's being pointed out. He said, I did all this mine. I did this, mine, me, mine, mine. And guys, you want to know the root of sin? Me. Friends, we are not sinners because there's sin in the world. There is sin in the world because we're sinners. We brought sin to the party. And we got to stop looking at sin like it's, why well, I'm just broken. I just made a couple mistakes. Sin is not that. Sin is declaring rebellion against the holy God of the universe. And we're conceived into that sin, and that sin is passed down. It's passed down from Adam and has hit every single person since that moment. Friends, in fact, we're going we're gonna to spend most of our time now back in Genesis chapter 3. So you take your Bibles, first book of the Bible. God creates everything. Two chapters, it's describing how God created everything. And then chapter 3, we broke it. Guys, think about it. Two chapters in, it's like things are great. Things are really good. And then you get to chapter 3. Three chapters in, we jacked the whole thing up. Here's how it happened. Genesis chapter 3, starting verse 1, and now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? Stop there for just a second. If you don't mind writing your Bibles, I would underline that. I have that underlined and highlighted in my Bible. Did God actually say? Because it's the exact same tactic that the enemy uses today. Wait, you're telling me that you're going to read this book, and you're going to base your whole life on this book, and it goes against how our culture and society is changing, and you're going to base it all on this. Did God actually say this? It's almost like you feel like God's out of step, like he hasn't caught up with the times, all the while forgetting that God is the one who created time in the first place. So it's like, well, he's not, he's not changing, and friends, you know why that's so great? Because we are so fickle. Like we'll be about one thing one moment, another thing the next moment. And God's suddenly going, I'm, I'm the standard. He declares what's true and false, what's right and wrong. Did God actually say? And did he really mean that though? And my fear is that for those of you that you love Jesus, you just don't read his word. Would you be able to answer the question? If he said, did God really say, because I'm not supposed to base that, I'm not supposed to base my answer to that question on how I feel about it. I'm supposed to base my answer to that question on what God says about it. And so if the enemy comes and says, did God actually say, we should be able to say no or yes because of what the scriptures teach us. But the tactic hasn't changed at all today, friends. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Guys, any tree. Like, God creates all these trees with all this fruit. And here comes the enemy going, did he actually say you can't have anything? No joy. No fun. No laughter. Isn't it just like the enemy to twist it? Guys, here's the thing. I think God is the funniest being in the universe. 
You know why? Because he's the one who created the concept of fun. He's the one who created the concept of humor. He gave us laughter. How solid is that? Isn't that sick? Like, isn't it just fun to laugh? Like, for some of you, you have a beautiful laugh. Like, when you laugh, people are like, oh, my gosh, yes, go, 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 go. <laughs> Angels are descending going, listen to that. Wow. We left the glory of heaven. Listen, listen. I mean, some of you have that laugh, and then some of you don't. <laughs> and when you laugh, like, eardrums burst. Blood is pouring down the sides of your head. People are like, please stop. But can you imagine if we all had the exact same laugh? And yet he gave us all this difference. God is so creative. Have you ever laughed that you felt like your stomach's going to explode? Isn't that fantastic? And I, always, I almost do this every single time I come up here, but I just want to make sure you get this. Friends, when you're, in, when, you're in, when you're in mixed company, guys and girls, you're hanging out, Ladies, if you ever say this phrase, because you're laughing so hard, if you ever say this, and there's a bunch of guys there, and you say, okay, okay, stop, stop. If you don't stop, I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> if you ever say that, every single guy is sitting there going, challenge accepted. <laughs> Gentlemen, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm telling you the truth, would you say amen? amen. There it is. <laughs> Ladies, you've been warned. If you pee your pants, that's on you. That's your problem. But think about it, just laughter is fun and God created it. It brings him glory when we, his children, enjoy him and enjoy what he's created. So think about it, if God is the creator of joy, laughter, humor, happiness, pleasure. If God's the creator of it, isn't it just like the enemy to come along and go, did God actually say you can't have any fun? You can't, have, you can't do anything fun? Isn't that what he does here? Even knew the answer. The woman said to her, verse 2, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, touch it lest you die. Now, God never said don't touch it. I think it's a good rule. I think it's good that they put that up there. But here's the thing. She attributed something to God that he never said. And followers of Jesus, we need to... We need to take note of this and stop attributing things to God that he's never said. So when you hear in Exodus, it says, you should not take the Lord, the Lord your God's name in vain. And a lot of times it just means, oh my gosh, we'll say gosh instead, oh my God. Guys, is that really all that he's talking about? Or is he saying, do not connect me and my name and my worth and my value and my character to your agenda when I have nothing to do with it. Again, followers of Jesus, we need to know what he says. But we don't then become his mouthpiece coming up with our own idea of what he should have said but never said. And then declare that God spoke to me. Guys, think about it. In the Old Testament, if a person came and said, the Lord told me to tell you, that's a, that's a prophet. And then they speak it, and it doesn't come true. You know what God said that they should do? They should be stoned to death. They should be killed because God took it so seriously. Do not speak on my behalf if I don't tell you to. Wow. So she says, he told us we can eat of any of the tree, just not the one in the middle. And don't even touch it or we're going to die. And his response was this. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You're not going to die. Let me tell you the truth. That's kind of like what the serpent is doing, right? You're not going to die. God knows that when you eat of it, you'll be like him. And you'll know both good and evil. You'll get, you get all the info. And isn't that what we like? Don't you like this phrase and like it's said about you? Here's this phrase. Hey, did you hear about? And people are like, no. Well, I don't want to gossip, so let's just turn it into a prayer request. Let me, <laughs> let me give you all the details of everything that's going on. Here's a picture. Here's a picture of the person I like to pray, and here's another. Here's a video of what I saw them doing. Here, I think, can we pray for them? We like to know. We just don't want people to know about us. And so when you hear that phrase, did you hear about it? It's called gossip. We like gossip unless it's about us. Right? He says, you're not going to die. What's the temptation there? And people go, he's trying to tempt her that she could become like God. I think that's part of it, but I think, more, I think before that is this. He's trying to get her to believe this. God is holding out on you. Trust me. I'll tell you the truth. And that's his seductive way. God's holding out on you. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. He knows that if you eat of it, you'll be, able to, you'll be like him. You'll know both good and evil. And I'm going to be honest, I don't want to know both good and evil anymore. I liked being five. I liked when my whole job was to play. I liked I could ride my bike and I could go across the street. And seriously, like we would, we would jump through neighbors' yards. Like on our bikes, it's like there's a, there's a I felt so bad for these neighbors. Because we just tore up their whole ivy. Because you could launch from their driveway through the ivy and into, the, into my buddy's yard. And so we're just like, and it's just a dirt, it's just a dirt trail. Never ask them permission. Friends, we used to, there was a house right down the street. They always did, they had voter booths in their house. So my brother and I and another friend, we would dress up in all dark. And we would just jump over people's walls with fake, can I say, with fake guns pretending like we're SWAT to look at people while they're vote. We're on radios going, I got him, I got him, take the shot. I'm like, what is going on with us? We never talk to our neighbors. It's just like, go play. Just come back before it's dark. And maybe that's my parents going, I just can't stand you. Get out of here, I need a break. But just come back. I just love being five. I'm just so tired. I'm so tired of hearing. Friends, I'm telling you, I love getting to, I love getting to shepherd God's people. I love it. But there's a part where it gets heavy. Because when I hear this person has cancer and then their family member lost a loved one and this family lost a baby when, they were, when, when she was nine months pregnant right before the baby was to be born, lost it in her womb. When all those stories come to me and I'm sitting there going, God, I don't get it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here because I can't fix it. I'm reminded that there's a God who can and that it's not on my, it's not, the weight of that is not on my shoulders. I get tired of knowing both good and evil, but for her it was enticing. And it still is for us. You're not, you're not gonna die. You'll be like God. Verse six, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. 
Guys, there's three justifications that she gives as to why she can say, I'm going to do this. And yet the first two, God actually said, this is what the trees are. I'd never seen this except for maybe the last few months. I was like, oh my gosh, it's connected. Look at it again. The first truth that she gives. The tree was good for food. That it was a delight to the eyes. When you go back to chapter 2, verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Yes, God made it. He made it pleasant to the sight and good for food. So she uses those two. And then there's this last one. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Friends, when I looked up that word desire, it means to covet or to lust. It means to strongly desire another's possession. That's when it all changed. The first two, she was right on. And yet those first two didn't change the commandment that God gave. You can have, think about it, you can have anything here in the garden, which I then would, I would think it would start to move out to anything on the planet. Just leave that one thing alone. Isn't it always that one thing we're told not to do is the thing we really want to do? You ever spent your life savings to go to Disneyland? Well, if you've gone to Disneyland, you have. So it's like if you ever, but you go there and they have that sign that says something like cast members only. Don't you sit and look at that going, that's where I want to go. I've done the rides. I've never gone back there. Cast members only. It's like, how do I become that? I don't want to become that. I just want to go back. Don't tell me what to do. It's when she desired that which was not hers. She said she took of it. And then she ate. And then she gave some to Adam who was with her. He wasn't away. He's just standing there watching this conversation happening between a serpent and his wife. It's like, oh, <laughs> talking snake. That's awesome. I'm like, why not step up? What happened here, man? You were told in chapter 2, I want you to work, I want you to work creation and I want you to keep it. That word keep means to protect. Why don't you step up, Adam? And it's so easy for me to look at, why didn't you do that? But would I have been any different? They both ate. Verse 7, then the eyes of both were opened. It's the same thing that the enemy said, for God knows, back in verse 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Yeah, their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and that's the most awkward realization ever to hit a person. You don't know naked before. Just walk around, that's awesome. There's no laundry. That's rad. Adam and Eve, they owe us a lot of quarters. All the laundry that's been done since then, they just sit there and go, oh man, we're naked. We'll call it naked. They're ashamed. Everything changed in that moment, and they heard the sound, verse 9, or verse 8, I think it is. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And for those of you who are living in sin, I want to beg you, please stop running from God and run to him. They hid themselves among the trees of the garden. It's like, we got to get out of here. This God, I guarantee this is not the first time that God walked through the garden. But when they heard, they knew it was him, and their response before was not this, but their response after sin was run from him, run from him. I'm ashamed. Isn't it beautiful that God is the one who initiates? He called them. Hey, where are you? Where are you? He went after them. Friends, that's the story of the gospel. 
John wrote three letters plus his gospel. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, it says this. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When it says the world, he's not talking about the earth and everything on it. He's talking about the ways that the world thinks and acts. The ideas of the world, don't love those things. Anyone who loves those things, the love of the Father is not in you. Verse 16, he says this. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The desires of the flesh, it's almost like, it's almost going back to Genesis chapter 3 saying, oh, it's good for food. Or the desires of the eyes, oh, that's like the delight to the eyes. And the pride of life, that's like a desire, I desire this to make me wise. You see, from Old to New Testament, it all comes together for the same thing. Whatever I see, whatever I feel, that's what I want. And that's what I'm going after. And God is sitting there going, I'm setting up guardrails. Don't. Friends, when we continue to look at the commandments of God as keeping us from joy rather than increasing our joy, we're missing out on the character of who God really is. As I start to close, I found this quote, and for those who've been walking with the Lord for a while, you probably, many of you have probably read it from C.S. Lewis. He makes this statement. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. It's like watching a little one-year-old, one-year-old birthday party. You ever been to one? Paparazzi show up for that, right? Kids there, new outfit, doesn't know why. People are showing up. Here's boxes. They don't, he doesn't know what's in the boxes. Here's all these presents. Like, oh, just looking, likes the colors of it. People are excited. Then he gets tired, fussy and cranky. Got to take a nap, bring him back out. But people are waiting for the day. This is it. Then that moment, he's never had cake. And this is the day. He's fully clothed before that, and all of a sudden, he's just in a diaper. Guys, that has got to be the most terrifying birthday party I could have ever imagined being at. If I'm just fully clothed, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, time for cake, and they just, I'm just sitting in my underwear. I'm like, that's like the worst nightmare ever. And then people take out cameras. I'm like, what is this? What are we doing? You put that cake in front of that kid, and then it's weird. It's like, it's a bomb. It's like, let him go. Okay, let him go. The kid's like, what do I do? Kind of plays with it, touches it, and <laughs> I thought you loved me. Why is this here now? And then more, more than just a handful. <sighs> and people are like, that is so cute. Are you getting it on video? I'm getting it on camera. Are you doing video? I'm doing camera. No one does that when you're older. <laughs> if all of a sudden this homeboy here just goes, bam, take some pictures. Of me and cake and my chonies. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But when you're one, that's it. Then it's present time. And you start putting presents in front of the kids. They start ripping them open. And you ever seen this? They take it. They look at it. And they just push it to the side. And then they play with the paper. Like, look at that. This is great. That's great. I want more cake. Friends, if I put a $100 bill in front of a kid or a can of soup, what would that one-year-old go after? Can of soup. Why? You can throw that sucker. You can pound it. You can roll it. You can throw it at mom. She freaks out. Paper? Uh-uh. Not interested. Can of soup? Yeah. 
Friends, I'll push a one-year-old out of the way to get that $100 bill. <laughs> Gently, but I'll do it. So my question to you is this. How many of you have settled for a can of soup when God wants to give you something better? This is what I want. This is what I feel. This is how I see. And God is sitting there going, you are so easily amused. When God's sitting there going, I want to save you. I want to rescue you from your sin. And I want to give you myself. The greatest, the greatest good is not the blessings of God. The greatest good is God. The greatest good is Jesus. How do I know he wants you? This is where I'll close, I promise. Genesis chapter 3 is the chapter we broke it. He had to curse the man, the woman. He cursed the serpent. Do you realize that in the chapter when God, or when, when Adam and Eve, when they broke it, do you realize that in that same chapter is when God declares that how he's going to fix it? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, he says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Why? Because that's God's remedy. He said, they go, what the heck? He just made clothes. Look at what it says again. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Garments of skins. Skins from what? Skins from an animal. What do you have to do for an animal? Do to an animal to get its skin? You have to what? Kill it. Is that not the first shedding of blood of something that's innocent to cover those who are ashamed and shamed because of sin? And isn't that what Jesus did for us? In the same chapter, we broke it. God's declaring, I'm going to fix it. Why? Because that's what good dads do. We broke it. We rebelled. And God came for us. And for some, friends, you're still holding on to this can of soup. And you actually think that you've been enlightened. You're just playing with a can of soup. And you've missed out. Or you're rejecting the value of the one who calls you to himself. Friends, we can't get to God on our own. You can't do enough good things to get to God on your own. Friends, our sin, it didn't, I, I did not become a sinner when I sinned. I was conceived into sin. I was, dead in my, I was dead in my trespasses, in my sins. Dead things don't look for anything. Dead things don't find anything. God initiated it with me. God called me. And then I get to receive faith from him that I could believe in him. It's all about him. Why would he do it all, though? Because at some point he deemed you worth it. And if you're worth it to the creator of the universe, he must, he must actually think that you're valuable. But we got to deal with our sin first. We got to think through it. And even followers of Jesus, be reminded of it. Why? Because when I remember I'm a sinner and I'm saved by the grace of God, the gospel becomes even more beautiful than before. Can I pray for us? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that in the midst of my sin, you came. God, so many of us can say the same thing. In the midst of our sin, you came and you did everything necessary. But Holy Spirit, as I prayed earlier, oh, convict us of sin. Don't let us off the hook on any of it. For those that don't follow Jesus, convict them that they would come to repentance, turn away from sin and come to Jesus. 
And for those of us who do, God, continue to convict us because sin is destructive. There's nothing honoring to you. There's nothing beneficial for us. God, protect us. Please help us, convict us that we could repent from those things. We thank you that in the midst of our sin, you came for us. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy, but thank you that you deem us worth it. God, we love you. We, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you all.